Hello and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast, where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate trying on clothes. And my name is Kyle, and today I hate Etsy. What what is Etsy related? Are you just trying to buy stuff on Etsy, or what's why do you hate it? So, two months ago, uh, the wife and I ordered. We commissioned a painting, an oil painting. Okay. of a photo from our wedding because it's going to be like the centerpiece of our wall we mm-hmm. sent them the dimensions they wanted we wanted it to be they made like a custom order page the dimensions were correct on the custom order page and we get it we we needed 24 inches wide by 40 inches tall they sent mm-hmm. it to us and it's a beautiful oil painting it would look lovely on the wall except that it's 24 inches wide 30 inches tall so it doesn't mm. fit the frame we had picked out and it would no longer be the biggest picture on the wall so the whole point of it being the only painting on the wall would be it it would not be as like as big of a centerpiece as big of an eye-catching piece on the wall as opposed to all the other pictures so paid nearly three hundred dollars for this thing um and so i contacted the guy and i was like hey painting's beautiful but it's 10 inches too short like even on the order page it says 40 inches and i made sure there wasn't some like because the dude's from ukraine i made sure there wasn't some weird like centimeters thing but no i said inches and on the page the order page it says inches um and so he responded like oh yeah there must have been a mistake on our production side there's not a lot we can do about it now because like the piece has been created uh would you be okay with a 30 percent discount like uh we give you a 30 percent like back yeah uh and thinking about that i paid for because like the the price of the thing goes up based on the size of the painting right i paid for a 24 by 40 inch so if he gives me a 30 percent discount then really i'm just paying for a 24 by 30 yeah and it's like that's not actually you giving me like some yeah thing it's I, i paid for what was done but it wasn't what i wanted so i came back i was like well how about this how about mm-hmm. you paint it the way you were supposed to you redo it for 24 by 40 and i will pay the shipping cost because mm-hmm. he paid the shipping cost last time so i'll see what he says about that but that just sucks because we ordered it two months ago it took a month to create and it took a month to ship it from the ukraine yeah because yeah. it probably is, it was on a boat Right. And so, like, if he were to ship it again and I were paying for it, I would opt to pay more for the better shipping so I don't wait another mm. two fucking months to put this wall together that the wife and I have been wanting to put together. Anyways, and for Valentine's Day, my wife wanted a crown ring, which is just a ring that looks like a crown. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so she, like, wanted one from this particular collection. And I was like, well, what if I got her one that wasn't that cost? But I also liked, uh, and there was a black one that was on Etsy. I was Mm. like, this looks really cool. It's black. None of the other rings in that collection were black. And I feel like this is like a neat, because I feel like she already had a favorite one from that collection that she would want. So how about I get her a crown ring, but something she's not expecting from a source she's not expecting. And then if she wants like a particular one from that collection, she can always buy it. Um, instead of like, I, if someone like gives you like a Christmas list or a, a list of things, it's lazy to just pick exactly one of those things. Like you try to like take that idea and then 
do something different with it. You know what I mean? I I would say that you are wrong in your <laughs> assumption of how that should work. <laughs> but it just feels lazy to just if get someone... them something that is like because they already know exactly what they want. If someone has something on their Christmas list where they're like, "I want this specific thing," don't get them something that is like that specific thing. If someone has something on their list where like, oh, I like this sort of thing, then yes, absolutely. Be creative and thoughtful and get them something similar, but maybe not the same. But if she picked out and said, I want literally this, well, you should probably no, she get said her anything that. from this collection is what she okay, said. Okay, but you still and got it was like something 20 not, rings. You still got something not in that collection. I'm not saying that won't ever work. I'm not saying that you couldn't find something that would be similar and cool that she would love. But I feel like the reason you're telling this story is because that's not what happened. And I would say that that's your fault. Well, no, she, the thing, like, she really liked it, but the black, like, wore off in, like, two days. And then the substance that the ring is made of underneath, she's having a reaction to it on her fingers, so she can't wear it. Mm. So. Happy Valentine's Day. I feel like your, your takeaway should probably be... If someone asks for something very specific, get get them that thing. Or don't, but don't get them something like that. Like, if I'm like, hey, I really want Metro Exodus for my birthday. Don't buy me Earth Defense Force because it's similar to Metro Exodus. That's so not the same fucking situation. How? You know it. How is it not the same? All right. Okay. That would, like, all right. So what you're saying is... A very specific, like they say, a very specific thing, and you don't get them that specific thing. What I'm saying is, to use your analogy, someone is like, "Yeah, I really like, I really want like a post-apocalyptic first-person shooter," and I know that they have played the first couple of Metro games, and so yeah, they probably want Metro Exodus, but like they just asked for a general post-apocalyptic first-person shooter. So I'm like, but maybe they'll really like this other one because they already know they're gonna like that one. But maybe there's a chance they'll like this other one. So I like get them Fallout 4. Well, in this case, I got them Fallout 76. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's that that's the whole point. It, like, just be, just buy them Metro. That's what they want, and you know that's what they want. That's so fucking lazy. How? How is it lazy? Because to get someone something they want? What to get them something that they explicitly said they wanted for that occasion? It's so fucking lazy. <laughs> like, they they said they wanted it because that's what they want, right? But they can they, always fucking not... get that later. But that's because the point they of already a gift. know they want it. The point of a gift is you are giving them something so that they don't have to get it themselves. If I ask for this specific black T-shirt. Don't buy me a green t-shirt and say, well, you can go buy the black one yourself. I didn't want a green t-shirt. I wanted the black one. That's why I told you I want the black one. All right. We're... I don't understand how we're still talking about this. <laughs> we're still talking about it because all of the analogies you're bringing up are not one-to-one. They're yes, all they skewed are. in your favor. 
I, I understand your point of she said, I want something in this collection. I get that, that it's not, I want this specific ring from this collection. But this argument is still the same. She told you, she she even did a better job and gave you a category of things that she wanted. And yet you still didn't get her something in that category. Because they were all really so expensive. This is, so here's here's the better analogy. I say, They were more expensive want, than what I wanted to spend on Valentine's Day. And that's at fine. our current level of money. And that's fine, but but to, to, to make the analogy better fit you, what she said is, I want a t-shirt from this company, and instead, you bought her a pair of jeans. <laughs> no, no. It's like if she no, said, instead, that, like, you here are a list of funny 76. shirts, here are a list of funny shirts that I like, and I'm like, oh, but there's this other really funny shirt that I really like that I think she'll like too, so I'll get her one of those. But I feel like the key to this, Kyle, is you're you're saying, but here's something I really liked that I want to buy for you instead. It's not about what you really like. You're not buying her something because you like it. I liked it because I thought she would like it and wouldn't be expecting it because it's nah, not one not of the things you said, in the collection. Though. You said I liked it, and so I wanted to get her that. And so to clarify, I like it because I think it's something that she would like. And it is not. It was not something that she would be expecting. So I get that you thought that she would like it. Yes. But you you know what she definitely would have liked is the thing she told you she. It's lazy. (laughs) (laughs) The easy way out's for suckers. Tell me about trying clothes on. Kyle being terrible at gift giving aside, (laughs) we need to move on. Tell me about. I just say try on clothes. I just say try on clothes because stuff never fits. Every company has different fit styles: slim fit versus standard fit, and they're never the same. Mediums and larges are never the same company to company. And I hate finding something I really like and going into the changing room and assuming that it's going to fit and it doesn't. It's really frustrating. That I just it's just annoying. I I went to Target, not even to buy clothes, but I was like, ah, since I'm here, I like a lot of their clothes and they're usually cheap. And I got like four different things to try on and only one of them really fit in the way that I wanted it to. Even though they were all like the same thing, only one of them fit. It 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 was it was frustrating. And I didn't Did like it. Did it not fit because you're now a member of the, the FB club? I mean yes the and fat no. boys club. I'm not I'm not fat. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but it, I wanted to get large a large slim fit because i can't wear medium slim fit like i did in college because i don't weigh 140 pounds anymore but i also need a large just because my shoulders are too broad to wear mediums period so i need to get a large but i also wanted a slim fit because a large standard fit like the arms are too big right it's too baggy it's too long which obviously it hurts because i'm short too so all this doesn't go together but at a lot of places i can get a large slim fit or just a large standard still fits fine. But with this, the large slim fit was too snug in the stomach and too short in the in the shoulders too, which was surprising. But a large standard fit was like, I'm wearing a dress. And I really liked the shirt too, and it was annoying. But I got one of them, and it's a short sleeve button down, and it's navy blue, and it has waves on it. Not like people waving, but like cresting waves and it looks cool like, so it's you're like saying cool there was shirt. something that you really wanted but then you wound up getting something else and you wound up really liking it no 
that's, that's not what, what I'm saying. saying. Nope. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I will give you a B minus for effort and a D for execution on that analogy. <laughs> all right, let's talk about video games. There's a there's so much news, and a lot of it's like exciting, cool news. So we need to we need to make this thing happen because I I can't do a three hour podcast anymore. I have been playing a lot of Kingdom Hearts three because I want to be done with Kingdom Hearts three, but I need to work myself up to talk about Kingdom Hearts three. So instead, how about you tell me about Metro Exodus because I am greatly looking forward to playing that after I finish Kingdom Hearts three. Okay, I guess I should just start by saying that. It is my least favorite of the three Metro games. That doesn't mean it's a bad game. I just really love the Metro games. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason it is my least favorite at its core is because it is an open area game. I can't really say open world because it's a series of like sandbox environments that you right. progress through. Um, but the larger open areas, I think, do the game kind of a disservice. Because what I really love about the Metro games is the tight linear narrative. Like, when you have open world games, just by the nature of, like, the time it takes you to get between places, uh, the order in which you can experience things, the right. narrative tends to take a back seat to the gameplay. Which, yeah. while I would actually say the Metro gameplay helps flesh out the narrative in a lot of interesting ways and like set you in the world like all the micromanaging you have to do um in this instance the separation of a lot of the main story beats and what you're doing minute to minute i think hurts the experience um so it allows for more opportunities at world building which is a positive um because i feel like this is the game where i learned the most about the metro universe um, just because they can pack that open world full of like small little, um, oh gosh, what's that called? Is it a- not ambient storytelling, emergent, emergent storytelling. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can, they can kind of pack the world full of those little moments. And I think a lot of those are impactful and effective, but they at the same time just serve to further disconnect you from like the real reason you're there and are doing what you're doing. Um, and it just kind of pads it out in kind of a negative okay. way. Um, also just in general, I mean, for the past like three years, I've had open world fatigue, like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just really been craving like a tight narrative experience and Metro has always been my like Haven for that. Um, and so the fact that this one is not that I think was, inherently disappointing to me um well and just like more linear shooters are becoming harder and harder to come by right like you still have a game like doom that comes out and, and nails it or yeah. the wolfenstein games but For sure. like call of duty didn't have a single player mode like exactly battlefield has gone away from their single player modes and made them more vignettes like it's kind of hard to find a narrative driven first person shooter nowadays yeah and and i mean the metro they were always so well executed on that it's just 
I, I'm excited for the studio that they chose to take on this challenge, and it worked for the most part. Um, it's just a problem with that, an inherent problem with that formula. That I, like, I don't know what the solution to it is. I don't think right. anybody really knows what the solution to it is. Um, as I'm about to talk about later, Far Cry sure as hell doesn't know what the solution is. Um, it's, I feel like, I mean, the solution is to make the main story take a back seat to right. those emergent moments and have those be the focus. That that doesn't like solve the problem of wanting a story focus shooter, but you can't do both. Like right. I feel like the the biggest proof point of that was with Skyrim. Like as huge as that game was and successful as that game was, no one talks about Skyrim because of its main storyline, right? You know? Right. Um and I I would say that like cuz there are a few side quests but for the most part, like the quests that you're doing are in service to the main narrative in some mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. It just leads to a lot of, hey, I'm exploring this area because I need the stuff. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of like have little moments or come across like areas where you kind of suss out the narrative of what maybe happened there before. Um, and they, they have a lot of that stuff, which is which is really well done um, still. But there, there just there isn't a lot. I, I feel like this, with the amount of things that happen, this is like a normal length Metro game. It's just okay. padded out because it takes you longer to get places. Um, right. And and I guess, like, by extension, you then have more opportunities to find loot. Whereas, like, in the first two Metro games, like, the amount of stuff you find is very finite. Um, and you have to really scrounge each area. And so I guess part of that instinct is still with me because I'm playing a Metro game. I want to scour every area. And so it just takes me forever to get anywhere because I mm-hmm. feel like I, I have that compulsion to like scavenge. Um, and not just because of Metro, but just because of that's how I play games in general. Um, I always try to find everything, especially if it's kind of like some sort of a survival or resource intensive game. Um, yeah. And I, 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 found myself because like in between all the big areas there are like train segments where you're like you're on the train going to the next area and you're just walking around the train talking to people and that's where a lot of the character development happens not all of it they do like there are main story beats in each larger open area where some of that happens as well but the majority Mm -hmm. of it happens in between those locations on the train um and I found myself like spending way too much time on the train because I was like, I just I want more of this like in my game. <laughs> I, I'm sick of okay. wand- wandering, killing respawning enemies, um, out in the open world. Like I want to have these conversations that the first two games always made time for. Yeah. Um, and so did you play in Russian or English? English, uh, because I heard not some not so great things about the English performances and some of the audio. That's been true of the whole series. Yeah, yeah, that's been true of the whole series. the The English voice acting is is not not great. Um, a lot of the performance captures not uh, voice captures not good. Um, I think I'm gonna play in Russian. That there, a lot of people rec- have been recommending playing in Russian with the English subtitles. I think I'm gonna go for that. So because I always replay Metro games, I mm-hmm. always play through in English first to make sure yeah. I get like the main idea of what's going on and i'm not like relying on the subtitles um but like for a second playthrough and subsequent playthroughs i always do russian just because the the capture is markedly better uh the performances are markedly better um and it just like it feels right um Mm -hmm. 
so I guess in terms of the narrative, uh, I think the open world kind of does it a disservice. Obviously, I like the gameplay is also kind of core to the Metro series. Like a lot of the micromanaging, like the bullet economy was always yep. a really interesting idea, and that's yeah. gone in this one. Huh? There is no bullet economy because the whole the bullet economy has to do with the Metro. Like that's how they have their currency thing set up. Like yeah, but now you're no longer in the Metro. So like you're not shopping for stuff. You're like you're scavenging as you go. Interesting. Um. So there isn't like a shop that you visit uh, or mm. anything. You're just kind of like you're picking up parts off of enemies' weapons and then like being able to add them and like swap components on your own weapons and bring them back to the train and all that kind of stuff. Um. So there isn't like a currency, which also kind of detracts from like the every bullet counts. And so mm. now, because, like, in the old Metro games, like, you would never, almost never hit your, like, ammo cap. You were almost sure. never there. And this one, like, you're there almost all the time. Interesting. Because, well, I was at least, because I was. Because you're scavenging everything. Because I'm scavenging everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will definitely be doing that, too. So, that, right. it's kind of disappointing to hear that scarcity is one of the things that led to a lot of tension in that game. Right. And so, I think on my subsequent playthrough, like, I'll play through on Russian and I'll play on Ranger Hardcore. Um, because I mean, that'll lead to a lot of frustrating deaths and stuff, but it will also, you know, that I think that the scarcity is, you know, tantamount to having a core Metro experience, right? Like every bullet counting. Um, and I didn't feel that like at all during this. And the cool, the cool thing in the Ranger mode, which is different than most just like shooter difficulties is it is the extra hard mode but it's not just enemies are more bullet spongy you do more damage but they do more damage to you and there are fewer resources it's like the um the last of us hard mode yeah where it's not just a difficulty spike the actual way that you interact with the game changes and that that just makes it more unique and cool i think right and like significantly reduced hud elements uh as well um yeah, so I'm I'm excited to jump back in at some point. It'll probably be this summer. I'm going to wait a while. Um, but I, I'm excited to go back through on that harder difficulty and in Russian and kind of see how that affects the experience. Because I did just play on normal in English, so mm-hmm. that could be part of my problem. Um, uh, I think visually, it looks amazing. I mean, this, this it's one of the best-looking games I've ever played. Um where they, did you play it? Did you play it on PC? PC, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just because I knew, like, the handling in Metro has never been its strong suit. Like, the guns always right. have a really weighty, sluggish feel intentionally mm-hmm. because that's how the combat is paced. Um, and, like, because precision matters so much, I've always preferred playing on PC because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm less likely to miss shots with a mouse and keyboard than I am with a controller. Um. Yeah, I mean the game just looks amazing, and all like the ver the different environments that you go through are all just so vastly changed from the the last one. So there is some metro like like down in the sewers and in the tunnels right. and stuff. There's some of that, but just like the first area you go to, it's like a series of small little islands. So you're using like a boat to go around in. Hmm. Um, it's very like still like nuclear winter. Um, but like everything is just like, like waterlogged and soggy and wet. 
and it just looks so good. And then the mm. next area you go to is this arid, dry, deserty, mountainous area, yeah. and it's so different. And just the way you engage, like there's like a weather system that comes through. Um, it just looks phenomenal. And the third area plays a lot more with verticality. It's like dense forests, uh, mountainy area. It's and like the different enemy factions that inhabit those areas all kind of reflect like what living there must be like um yeah that all sounds way more diverse than the first two games oh which yeah was largely like you would occasionally go to the surface and some right. destroyed buildings with nuclear winter vibe but it was mostly in the sewers and subway systems yeah like, and that was it and so and the games always they still always looked incredible like the the level of detail in the world and how just the art direction was always really phenomenal, but there yeah. was never that strong of a, of a variety. Right, and so like to see them execute on this so well is like really, um, it it makes me happy that they were able to execute on this vision of theirs um, that yep. well. Um, I will say because in all of the games, there's kind of like a morality system because you can get a good ending or a bad ending, um, and I did get the good ending. I think it's primarily because like so the the morality thing is. Pardon me. The morality thing's a little more amb- ambiguous here. I think it has to do with how many people you're killing versus like yeah. trying to circumvent and like there's a new mechanic where uh if you kill a certain number, like if there are 6 dudes and you kill like 4 of them, the last two might go ahead and surrender to you and mm. you can choose to kill them or like knock them out or just right. like leave them alone. Um and I think if you if you kill them like less people are likely to surrender because they're like, oh, this dude has, like, a ruthless reputation. I may as yeah. well just fight to my last breath. But if you, like, the more you do that, the more, like, you just knock them out or leave them be, the more people will surrender as well. So firefights are end- endings are more quickly, and you're not necessarily getting less resources because you can knock them out and still loot all their stuff. Okay. Um, but then you're also, like, expending less resources because you're, like, firing less shots. Um, yep. And that's kind of, like, an interesting mechanic uh and and it leads to like a changing combat landscape every time you kind of engage you never really know okay like it's never clear it's never like a binary oh if i wipe out x percentage of the people the other dudes will clearly surrender it's like you you hope for that it's like okay if i kill this guy maybe this other guy will surrender but maybe there are a couple guys i don't know about that they know about that are going to come out of hiding if i do it so just a lot more factors in combat to um to think about when you're engaging um groups of people um but yeah i don't i don't know it's it's my least favorite it's in no way a bad game it's still Mm -hmm. a very good game i just think unfortunately the open world or the open area sandbox does it it it's more of a hindrance than a help i should say it's not really what you were looking for no. from a metro game no they, they they changed kind of the formula of the game and it doesn't sound like that necessarily served it all that well no and i mean i was open to this new experience i wasn't going into it like this ain't not not your grandpa's metro like right. or like hashtag not my metro um <laughs> I I was I was open to the idea because you know I I trust the developer and I think what they did they executed on very well. It's just you know how do you find the balance there? It's kind of anachronistic to what I've come to expect from the series. Um, and that's not to say that there weren't still 
like a lot of effective emotional beats and stuff there definitely were um they find good ways to funnel you into certain areas without making you feel like you're being funneled there mm-hmm. um they do that cleverly a few times um but you know for the for the most part i kind of miss my my sewer tunnels which is a weird thing <laughs> <Right>. to say <laughs> right so yeah okay that's kind of how i feel about metro i am ready to talk about kingdom hearts your body's ready the good news is listeners will only have to hear me talk about kingdom hearts one more time because i will Almost assuredly beat it by next episode. Okay. So you only have to hear me bitch about this game one more time <laughs> after this episode. Um, it just sucks, dude. Like it's it's a it the it sucks. It's a shitty game. Yeah. Like it's bad. It is bad, bad, bad. Everything about it is bad. Um, I will say since last time we talked about it, the combat's definitely clicking a little bit more. Like I'm getting a little bit more out of it. Um. And a lot of that, I think, is because now that I'm getting more Keyblade key options, like the second forms and stuff, right. are, more, are more fun. Like, the Toy Box Keyblade has a really good one where, like, it's really the third form, I think, where you have, like, drill arms, which is fun. Yeah. And that's, like, I've been using, really effective. Does yeah. A lot of damage. I've been using the uh, the Monsters, Inc. Keyblade, because I'm more specced into strength than magic. Right. And a lot of times, like, Keyblades will go back and forth. Like, oh, this one's more about strength. This one's more about magic. This one's balanced. This one's more about strength. This, and blah, blah. It goes back and forth. So I've been primarily using the strength-focused ones, because magic is useless in this game. Right. But, um, yeah, the, the Monsters, Inc. world Keyblade, you get these, like, wrench hands that are pretty good as your first second form and then the second second form are these like yo-yos which actually kind of suck i don't really like using that form much but key to it is key hey no pun intended the combat feels better i still don't like how repetitive it can be with all the special moves and everything i'm not enjoying um but I've kind of just accepted it for being what it is. And in, in fact, I'm at the point, because I'm like, I think fairly close to the end of the game. I just got to San Francisco, San, San Francisco, San Francisco, whatever it is from Big Hero 6, which I think is the last world, like of its standalone thing. And then however the game ends. So I think I'm pretty close, but um, yeah, the enemy types are fairly repetitive. Combat's not really challenging in any significant way. I've never died once this whole time. Um, the closest I got was actually in the Pirates of the Caribbean world, which I'll talk about in a minute. Because, boy, just when I thought the game couldn't get worse, <laughs> I went to the Pirates of the Caribbean world. Um, I heard something about this. There is a, a really annoying thing in the way that the game is structured... So just, I mean, the whole, just the story is just shitty. Like, it's just, it's complete nonsense and dumb. But the main thing, the main thing, literally in the beginning of the game, after you get out of the tutorial Coliseum world, the thing you are tasked with is finding the power of waking or awakening or whatever the hell it is. That's what you set out to do. I'm not really sure why you're looking for it, but that's what you need to get, right? And so... what Donald keeps saying. Yeah. So the power every world, of waking. you go to a world, you do the little self-contained story in that world, invariably some dude from Organization 13 shows up and is like all mysterious and says things that make no sense to, to Sora or to the player. 
And then you leave the world, and then there's a cutscene in the gummy ship where they're like, all right, guys, time to get that power of waking. And then you go to the next world, and there's a standalone story in that world. And someone from Organization 13 comes in at the end and says some weird, mysterious things that make no sense to Sora or to the player. And then you finish that story, and then you go back to the gummy ship. And then there's a cutscene in the gummy ship where they say, all right, guys, time to go after the power of waking. And then you go to another world, and there's a self It's the same thing over and over again where literally nothing is happening. The story is not progressing at all because every single time after you leave a world, they're like, all right, guys, power awaking. Let's go. <laughs> Literally, it has happened six times, if not yeah. more. It's unbelievable. And all the Organization 13 people are looking for a black box. And so in a lot of the worlds, there is some kind of black box that they're there to look for. Like, and then they're like, like oh, this is not the black the right box one. we want. Yeah, dude. It's like, it's so, it is so stupid this game was made in 1995 before anyone in the video game industry knew how the hell to tell a story or to like write anything it's just so so bad and in between the worlds like those cutscenes, are they're so long because when you're in the world well it's two things man oh see i'm, I'm getting there yep. i'm getting i'm getting all i'm getting all hyped up here it's two things when you're in the world there are infinite times where they take control away from you like every fucking room you enter there's a little mini cutscene, and a lot of those cutscenes are the dudes run into the room heartless spawn and they go like all right guys let's take them down and then you fight all those people and you beat them and you run to the next scene and it fades to black and it fades up and Sora Donald Goofy run into the room and they're like what's going on in here and heartless spawn and then he pulls his keyblade he's like all right guys let's take them down <laughs> and then you fight them and then you move to the next room and it fades to black like you, you're, it's you're like understanding a, my point it's like a Saturday morning cartoon this game is like yes. a Saturday morning cartoon <laughs> where it half just... of the episode is what has already happened and the other half of the episode is what's about to happen in the next it's, episode. Man, it's real bad. It's it just like... So that's in the worlds. And mostly the stories in the worlds are like fine but forgettable. Like the Toy Story one, there wasn't really even a story. You could just kind of go to the toy box store, and then at the end, they're like, "All right, we're gonna go wait for Andy. See y'all." Yeah. And then like the Monsters Inc. one, they're like trying to get Boo home. That's the whole story of that, and it's just like, so the stories aren't the the world stories aren't even engaging. Much less, they're all just window dressing for this larger thing, but they don't connect whatsoever. You're just kind of there, and then you leave, and it's made no impact on progressing in the real story. But then once you do leave the worlds, like once you finish a world, then you have to sit through 20 minutes of cutscenes. And I'm not exaggerating. Almost every single time it's 15 to 20 minutes of cutscenes because you have to check in with uh, the Zora Donald Goofy on the gummy ship where they're like, all right guys, power of waking, here we go. <laughs> and then they got to call some dude with long blue hair that looks like the biggest douchebag on the planet where they're talking about uh, yeah, they have to ampl- FaceTime some dude yes. with a thing that they don't really know how it works. Right. It's a f- it's a phone. It's literally a phone. And Sora's like, what does this button do? Because he's the biggest idiot on the planet. Yep. And somehow he's the hero of the story. And then you got to check in with Riku and Mickey, who are like doing something, I guess. I don't know. And then you got to check in with Aqua. And she's all like, hey, I'm bummed out because of reasons. And like... 20 minutes later, you land on the new world. And then they're like, hey, guys, where's the black box? Yeah. Like, and it's just it, status just, quo over um, and over again. I can't. It just like, resets. 
I can't even I can't even like describe just how awful and just stupid everything about this is. <laughs> and even as late as I am in the game, at least three, four, five times per world, they throw some new mechanic at you. Like a yeah. new kind of mini game or a new thing you do just one time. And again, this goes back to what we were talking about. The core pro well, it's not even the core problem. One of the core problems of this game is just it took so long to develop that they stopped saying no to ideas. And so they just threw everything in the kitchen sink into this game. Every single idea that anyone ever had about Kingdom Hearts 3 is in this game. All the grinding and the like the R1 where you lock on and auto shoot these dudes. And there you go to the poo world and there's a little mini game. It's like a match three mini game that you play a bunch of times. And it's really boring and dumb. Yeah. Like I, and like that's where all that stuff used to be was in the 100 Acre Wood. All that, yeah. all the weird little, little mini game stuff. Yeah, and like that was fine because it was all there and it was all optional. You didn't even have to do it, but it was like charming and fun because it was Winnie the Pooh. But now it's like every single world is rife with that garbage. Yeah, um, a lot of the worlds feel empty as well. Like the designs of them feel empty. Even the toy box world, which was definitely my favorite world, which is even more depressing because it was the first real world all yeah. the ones since then have sucked. But even that one, like you're in this toy box store just running down these really long hallways where there's like nothing there. Right. And then enemies will occasionally spawn and you fight them in this big open space. Like there there are exceptions. There are plenty of places in that world that I liked the design. But like the, the Monsters, Inc. world is so uninspired. It's like a boring factory for four hours. And every hallway looks the same. It's just like they didn't maximize the potential of that world whatsoever. The look of Corona, the Tangled World, is nice because it's like woods. And yeah. so it's, you know, visually appealing. But it's still just like empty and blank. Like it's just a bunch of... It's the same trees and shrubbery designs just placed randomly throughout the space. It's just like... They're just boring worlds. Like they're they have variety from world to world, absolutely. But in each world, it's there's so much repetition that it's not. I get so bored in each world before I'm ready to leave it. Yeah, and um, like you, you think about like the first Kingdom Hearts and the mileage they get out of every single little square foot of all of those worlds. Yeah, it's like like you look at this and it's like, what were you guys like? You built these giant, long, expansive areas. And you don't do anything with them. Yeah. Um, going back to the new mechanics. So I don't think we talked about the cooking mini games in the last episode. I don't remember. Um, but if we didn't, they're 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 really they're stupid. Really stupid. Hate them. They're so dumb and bad. And I still don't. I don't. I still don't know how I succeed when I do and why I fail when I do. It makes no sense. They suck. And I haven't eaten a single thing that I've made in there anyway because the game isn't challenging. So right whatever um the gummy ship so i had said like of all the things in this game it's the thing i hate the least which i can't, couldn't believe i was saying yeah the difficulty as we talked about it it definitely ramps up in some of the um combat scenarios which are easy to avoid if you want to but if you get into them like i was finding spots when i was a gummy ship level one where like i just i couldn't even kill the enemies that i was trying to fight in those but 
I now have like a level four high wind where I'm just destroying everything. I have two little mini ships, one of which has a ton of health, one of which has a ton of attack power. And I have a special ability that I can launch like every 10 seconds that gives me even more firepower. So I'm just destroying everything now and there's no challenge. But for that middle part of the game, because I wasn't engaging in creating new ships, it did ramp the difficulty in a really weird way. And then it went all away really easily. So good job tuning that. Um, it, it, yeah, it, I don't even, yeah, the gummy ship stuff, it's not that fun or interesting, and, like, once you go around the world, like, that open space the first time, you're not really gonna get anything out of continuing to do that, except for, like, more money and more experience, which, again, isn't meaningful. I've, I have 30,000 money, and I have nothing to spend it on. Because I don't need anything else because right. the game isn't hard. So, like, it, it's useless. Um, okay. I'm saving the Pirates of the Caribbean for the, for the last thing. So, the only other thing I'll say is that, by and large, a lot of why I am not enjoying this is because I don't care about the worlds that are in this game. And I get why they have their largest, newest properties. Because those are the things they want to promote. But, like... With the exception of Toy Story, I love Monsters, Inc., but that world is uninteresting and the story is basically nothing. But, like, the other worlds are Tangled and Frozen and Pirates of the Caribbean and Big Hero 6, which I've never even seen. Like, I don't give a shit about those worlds versus, like, Tarzan and The Lion King and a lot of, like, classic Aladdin. Like, these classic Disney worlds that you explore that have that nostalgia to them. None of these worlds have nostalgia to them with the exception of Toy Story, which again is the best one, but it's also the second world you go to out of like nine. So that sucks. Um, Okay. Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh Uh-huh. It, um, it's, it, when I thought I couldn't hate the game more, I went to the Caribbean where... The primary activities you are doing are ship to ship combat. Like you are are move you are captaining a ship much like Assassin's Creed only without literally any of the fun in yeah. Assassin's Creed because you can't see shit when you're doing it. You can either <laughs> be right behind Sora in which case your entire screen is masked by the um uh, masts and the whatever the flags not flags the sails or you're a behind the ship view where you're still you can't see anything because of the way and there's the aiming is very poor there's no way to like zoom in and aim it's just the right stick to aim everything and when you're trying to aim you're aiming through your sails so you can't even see the thing you're trying to hit past oh, the wow. sails the you the ship isn't slow. Like, you are moving relatively quickly through the space, but it feels slow because the scale is off. Like, the world is much... The ocean is much larger than it appears as you're moving through it. It's kind of hard to explain. Like, as you're looking at it, the water going past the ship is fast, indicating that you are moving quickly, but you are not moving quickly. It is exceptionally sluggish and takes minutes to get from one end to the other where there's almost nothing to do. Like there's an occasional island that you can stop off and like collect resources or like very occasionally 
smoke or fog will appear and a couple of heartless ships will come out that you can kill instantly because they're super easy. And that is just incredibly uninteresting and boring and takes forever if you want to try to explore like I was. Because I wanted to see if there was anything like, oh, is there like a hidden boss? Is there a hidden area where I can get this cool shit? And no, there isn't. Also in the Pirates of the Caribbean world, there is a, like I mentioned, minigame-esque sequence where you are defending your ship from a heartless dragon. And you are riding on the back of like a jet heartless shoot trying to shoot it down the biggest problem with this is in the gummy ship i changed my controls so that i had reverse uh x and y axes so like when you press up on the thumbstick you go down and down on the thumbstick you go up much like you would in a flight simulator that's how i like to fly things in video games well you can't adjust that in this sequence so it was opposite of what I wanted it to be, and therefore I had a really big difficulty moving around, and that boss battle took, I'm sure, four times as long as it was supposed to take, because I couldn't get the controls right, because they didn't mesh with how I wanted to play the game, Right, and I couldn't change them. So that was bad. And then when you go to fight in the combat, half of... so like. Half of the combat is when you're riding the ship and exploring these little sparse islands. The first half is underwater. Oh, no. And we all know how much underwater combat works in video games, right, guys? I can name dozens of classic games with exceptional underwater combat. Um, Like, um, oh, there was that one. No, that was bad. Mario. Yeah, Mario sucked. Um... Oh, Tomb, nope, Tomb Raider was really shitty underwater. Um, oh, I'm wrong. Literally every video game with underwater combat, it sucks ass. Because underwater combat sucks ass. Why would you put underwater combat literally in the first Kingdom Hearts game? What's the biggest thing that people hated in the first Kingdom Hearts game? The Little Mermaid level, where you're underwater, fighting underwater the whole time. Because it sucks ass. But they put it in here too. And guess what? It sucks ass. Not to mention the parts of the Caribbean world, the story is completely nonsensical. I, I I think maybe it's following the story from like the fourth movie, which I haven't seen. But it's like they picked like six scenes from the movie and just showed them rather than... So like things... You'll be... You have a little cutscene where it's like, oh no, we gotta rescue Jack. And then you go and you're playing the game. And then the next cutscene... So I was like, all right, guys, did we rescue Jack? And they're like, oh, no, dude, like, he's gone. Like, oh, we ha- we saved him. We had a dinner party. Like, we celebrated his birthday. And then we went and stormed the castle and, like, defeated the bad guy. And now he's gone again. And so I was like, wait, what? And so am I. Because, like, I'm like, so 60,000 things happened in between these cutscenes that I was no part of. And so there's no through line of story in this world. It's like a bunch of random cutscenes that don't tie together at all. I heard there was a collectathon element. Yeah, you collect 300 white crabs where you're just running around a village breaking boxes. And I heard you have to do that. Yep. Great. Yep. It was probably the best part of that. No, it was <laughs> it sucked too. <laughs> but the only good thing about it was at least you were on land running around sure. and there were occasional enemies that you fought there too. But boy, howdy, like, like I said, like in, I did not, I was like, there is no way I can dislike this game more 
and then the Caribbean happened, and I just don't even know. I, I just got to the San Francisco, whatever, Big Hero 6 world, which I'm anticipating not getting a ton out of since I'm not familiar with the characters or the story or anything, but at least, like, it looks cool, and it has, like, a lot of bright colors, and it's very video gamey in its UI and whatnot, so at least, like, it'll look nice. Because the Pirates of the Caribbean world just look like really bad CG movie. Because, like, they're trying to make it look realistic. Right. And they're bad at it because the graphics in this game aren't good. It looks like a high-end PS3 game, but in 2019. Um, so, yeah, I, I was curious because I had seen a lot of people being mixed on Kingdom Hearts 3 in, like, the community of people. Like, regular players. So, I was curious to look at the critical response to the game. Mostly it's getting like 9s and 9.5s. But when you look at reviews and summations of reviews and like the biggest takeaway, it's all about like, oh, it's so cool to have a resolution to Kingdom Hearts. And it's not actually talking about the game. And so I'm like, it. they just seem odd to me. Uh, it has an 84 Metacritic, but Polygon, Waypoint, Eurogamer, and The Verge all have negative reviews on Metacritic, but because they don't score their reviews, it doesn't affect the Metacritic uh, score. Okay. So a lot of the outlets that didn't like the game aren't affecting its overall score, okay. which is just another flaw in Metacritic's whole... Th- like, Metacritic is just so sh- stupid. Though, like, they, they arbitrarily weight certain companies more than others, which, like, why... Why? That makes no sense to me. Right. Um, so anyway, it's it's not a nine out of ten game. That's 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 where I'm coming from. It no. sucks ass. It is even for someone that had somewhat deflated expectations based upon pre-release gameplay that I had seen and like knowing that the story has completely gone off the rails and having not played any games except for the other two core games. Even all of that put together. I still went into this going, I have waited 13 years for this game. It is the culmination of everything that has happened in Kingdom Hearts. I still wanted it and expected it to be great. It is one of the most disappointing games I have ever played. That boggles my mind. And it sucks. It The situation sucks and the game sucks. So, now that I've gotten all of this off my chest... Hopefully next episode, I'm just going to complain about how ridiculous the ending is. Because I've heard it is quite ridiculous. I don't. I have no idea how it's going to resolve. Because nothing is happening in the story. Literally nothing is happening in the story. Even the bad guys like get together. And one's like, so what's going on? And the other guy's like, dude, I don't know. Xehanort's not telling us anything. And I'm like, okay. What was the point of that scene? I don't even think Xehanort's been in this game yet. Like, young Xehanort has, and Xemnas has, and all the other people that he controls. But I don't think actual Xehanort has been in the game. You haven't fought any of the Organization 13 members yet. Because they disappear on worlds and then they go away. You don't do anything to them. Oh my god, I can't. Alright, we gotta... I don't think I will play that game anymore. I don't blame you. I haven't played it in the past, like, three weeks. And I don't think I'm going to pick it back up ever. I have to see it through. Obviously, I'm close enough to the end now. But even earlier on, I was like, I th- I just have to. I have to see my way through this. I'm not having fun at all. I'm just doing it to finish it. 
And that's why I'm playing so much of it. Like, it's the only video game I've played in the last two weeks. I'm over 30 hours into it, it easily. I think I'm like 35, maybe 40 hours into it. And it's just because I'm trying to get it done. It's not because I'm like, ooh, I don't want to play anything else. I just want to get it done. Right. Uh, so what else have you been playing? Hopefully something good. Um. So I mentioned I was playing Far Cry 5. Yeah. Um... It makes me really, really mad every time <laughs> the story happens. Yeah. Because the way they do it is like, oh, you get kidnapped, right. and it forces you to do a thing. Right. And, like, I could be in the middle of doing something that I want to fucking do, and it's like, oh, I got blissed. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. And now I'm in a cutscene that I'm furiously mashing the escape key to skip. Uh, and That's then, one of those things where I'm like, I don't understand how a video game designer could think that that's a good idea. Let's interrupt the fun that our players are having. Even if they think those cutscenes are amazing. Oh, and they think that content is amazing. Makes you're still mad. saying what you're doing right now, player, isn't what we're going to allow you to do anymore. In an right. open world game. It's it a middle no finger. Sense. So... Um, I'm also finding that I'm skipping dialogue in the world, uh, like from like quest givers and stuff, because if, cause like they send out planes and helicopters and shit to look for you. So like I could be talking to an NPC like about like, Hey, there's a prepper stash nearby, but I have to get through their full train of dialogue before it'll say like, okay, yep, here it is on your map. You can go for it now and you can hold this button to track it. You have to get through the whole dialogue thing mm. in order for that to trigger but there's like fucking planes flying and like dudes driving by and every time someone who could be hostile to that like resistance member comes by they stop talking and they go into combat mode and so like i can't i like i just want to talk to you about where this prepper stash is so i can get more skill points and level up my dude and yeah. like like for the fifth time in a row like a wolf has come down from the mountains and freaked you out or there's a plane overhead or there's mm-hmm. a convoy driving by so i just mash the escape button half the game just to like skip their dialogue and like i i hit e to talk and i'm like escape 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 and they're like Oh, hey there, Rook. I was hoping to... Yep, so go ahead and find that stash for me. I'm like, great, thanks. (laughs) Fucking see you later. (laughs) And then I'm out, and I go, and I shoot dudes, and it's a great time. Everything around the edges of that suck balls. Um, So what... Like, is it... Did you play uh, Far Cry 3 and or 4? I played 3... No, no. I didn't play 3. I played 4. Okay. Is the gameplay of it any like significantly different or better than in 4? I wouldn't say significantly different, but it is tighter. It is a little better. Okay. I would say on a negative side, the only way... Okay, so when I bought Far Cry 5, I bought it on sale, and it was like the Ultimate Edition with all the DLC and stuff. So from the get-go, I have access to these DLC weapons that are all really, really good versions Mm -hmm. of weapons. Mm -hmm. um, Or like have unique skins or whatever. Um, So I've just been using those instead of like... I don't know. Like, uh, there aren't a lot of weapons, and the weapons aren't like really good... Like, any of them. None of them are really good, I would probably say. Like, I don't even like the bow as much as I did in 4. Um, yeah, I, I think, like, the flying controls are fine. The driving controls are... Bleh. 
it just like it doesn't control that well which is why i wanted to get it on pc because playing on Mm -hmm. console was abhorrently bad um and like i can at least hit dudes i can at least nail some headshots pretty easily on pc Mm -hmm. which makes it more fun um but yeah just i'm kind of disappointed in the weapon selection um and just like the way in which you get stuff like it's just you go to like this kiosk that has a green icon and you can either buy weapons at this one or vehicles at this one or flying vehicles or like water vehicles and like you just go to these spawn points essentially and like spawn in stuff instead of like finding because like none, none of the people have like rare weapons or better weapons like you're not getting them from killing enemies it's just like you go to a shop and you buy them and like that's mm. it's less much less interesting um also i don't really like the whole and i mean they've had it since um i think they had this in four as well i don't know if they had it in three because i didn't play three but like you do challenges and when you complete challenges you get perk points that you can spend um but there's no like traditional XP leveling. It's all just challenge based. So at a certain point, like I have found the way I want to play the game and the way I'm good at playing the game. So I'm not going to be unlocking any more challenges, which I guess is like where the prepper stashes come into, uh, come into the equation because they always have like a few perk skill books that you could pick up that give you perk points. Mm Um, yeah, it's just really strange. Um, like the RPG, the light RPG elements, I think, are bad in this one. The writing is totally terrible. Like, I, I you know, before the game came out, we all thought, oh, this is like a, a new, like a, a new direction for the franchise, you know, because it's always been like really goofy and off the wall. Like, this seems like it's maybe gonna like try and say something, and then they backpedal on that super hard, but like mm-hmm. didn't all the way. Yeah. And so like there are elements of the tone that are like very self serious, and then. You gotta go cut off bull testicles for the testy festy for the <laughs> testicle festival, um, and it's just and like there are characters that are like using like uh, like butt muncher and like cocks like cock swallower like cock that knocker kind of, that was always yeah. one of my favorites. Like one like in high that, school, like that kind of yeah, <laughs> like that kind of language. Like the characters are like, yeah, some son of a bitch cock swargler stole my helicopter. I need you to go get it back from that fucker. And it's like, whoa, edgy, whoa, yeah. and it's just bad and lazy, super edgy for yeah. two thousand and two. Yeah, um, and it's just like the writing's bad and the characters are really abrasive. Um. Like, I don't feel bad for any of them. I'm just, like, trying to skip past all the story stuff because I just want to go out and shoot stuff. Um, and I read so, an article on Game yeah. Informer about how Far Cry New Dawn mm-hmm. is, like, they stripped out all of that annoying stuff and they just give you more tools to mess around and have fun. Yeah. Because um, that was so going to be my question is, like, are you interested in playing New Dawn? Having read that article, Yes. If I like, if the expectation was, oh, this is more Far Cry Five, hell right. no, right? Because there's there are too many annoying elements that pull me out of the experience, um, and like divert me from where I want to be. Um, I, I was the best thing about Far Cry Five is that after you spend a couple perk points, you can fast travel to any area you've been and select airdrop. 
so you can airdrop in on any area you've been to. So, like, if there's an area you haven't been to yet, because, like, I don't want to drive around because then I'll run into a convoy or a car full of dudes who will shoot at me, and it's very obnoxious because there's no way to reduce the frequency of that crap happening. So I'll just, like, airdrop. So I go to, like, the nearest place I've been, I airdrop in, and I wingsuit right on over. I parachute, and I drop in the middle of it, and I shoot a bunch of dudes, and I do the objective. And then, instead of walking around, I just airdrop to the next place. And that's how I move around the world. <laughs> and it's a lot of fun. But then I'll, like, airdrop over to this area, and then, oh, I got blissed, and now it's time for a story cutscene. And it's so like, dumb. fuck you! For making this game this way. So that's Far Cry 5. It's fun to shoot stuff. And blow stuff up. All that's good. Um, speaking of shooting stuff. I know. I said I would never play this game. But one of my friends. Who lives most of the country away from me. Said mm -hmm. he wanted to try this game with me. So I downloaded it. And I did play it with him. And I'm not going to say it's good. I think it's still bad, and it's not what I want out of a video game. But playing it with him was fun, as well as another one of my friends. And that game is Apex Legends, a battle royale okay. game. The Titanfall battle royale game. Um, it's not the worst thing that's ever been made, but I would never <laughs> sit down by myself to play it. I'm yeah, only fair. having fun because I'm playing it with them. It's just like online, like online multiplayer games. It's you know We've covered this ad nauseum it's not for me mm -hmm. um but if we're just like messing around and laughing with our friends then yeah sure pretty it's much free. any game can be fun when you are playing it with friends yes yeah makes sense will you continue to play it with them or like are they super into it I wouldn't say they're super into it, but, like, uh, the one of them just got a PS4, and it's a free game, so maybe maybe he'll okay. keep playing it. We haven't played in, like, a week, but I don't know. I, I have a feeling, like, it's it's something that we will all always have on our PS4s because it is free and it was digital, so we'll never get rid of it. So, like, at any time, we could just be like, hey, let's just hop on Apex and mess around. Right. Okay. It's fine for that. Um, okay, yeah. so I have been watching Punisher. I started. Yes, me too. So, yeah, how far are you? Because you had watched the first couple episodes in, in the last podcast. Yeah, I think Kara and I are now on, like, we just finished episode eight, I think. Okay, so you're a couple ahead of me. I think I'm on, like, six or seven-ish. Okay. Uh, it's good. I, I, it certainly... It's all right. It certainly makes a first impression. Yeah. Um... The like the opening sequence is crazy over the yeah. top, and even the first episode has like a huge <laughs> fight scene that is crazy brutal. The first episode um, has an arc, <laughs> yeah, uh, and then it kind of settles down. And I was not feeling that as much. The they introduce like a new girl character who Punisher kind of takes or Frank kind of takes under his wing. I found her to be kind of annoying at first. Oh, for sure, because um, she's very like sarcastic and she's a liar and she's just a teenage girl. She's kind of a piece of shit. But I'm growing. I'm growing, or she's growing on me a lot. Uh, yeah, they're they're doing a really cool thing with their relationship where he's taking on more of like a father figure role, and that's just kind of sweet to see while also being like really messed up like he teaches her how to take a gun out of someone's hands but it's like oh a nice that's the episode moment. we just watched so i oh, think okay. we're in the, so same, we're in the spot. same spot then 
yeah. So that that's gotten better. Um, the jigsaw, the Billy Billy Russo jigsaw thing. It's stupid, man. I'm not. I'm not really into it. It's really it dumb. Just, it doesn't really feel like it has a lot of momentum, and it's no. clearly like he's kind of like building something with these other army vets. Yeah, and that might go somewhere, but the, his core like struggle and his doctor like i'm just not really engaged with that yeah i feel like they're, they're trying to i feel like the case that they're trying to make for billy russo is hey he doesn't remember doing these things so is he really still like should he still really be punished for things that he doesn't remember doing like it's not a part of him anymore kind of thing but then that's they, a ridiculous like, argument if that's right what you're <laughs> well like it, but then they kind of like part way backpedal on some of that stuff and like then it's like, oh, he hasn't really changed, though. Like, he's still mm-hmm. the same. Like, he's going to make the same mistakes kind of thing. Right. Um, and, like, I I don't know if they're trying to make him a sympathetic character or not. Because they're not, like, going all in either way, yes or no. Yeah, I feel like they're definitely trying to do that a little bit. But it isn't really working. Yeah, it's um, not effective. Yeah, so I, that part of it I'm not, like, super into. And the overall story, I'm honestly, like, not following it a ton. Like, with the Russians and there's some dude that died and the religious guy. Like, I'm not really connecting the dots there yet. But the core of it being Frank and the girl, that I really like. All their scenes, I really like those. Yeah, like, definitely. It did not start out that way, but it has become Correct. that way. Yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean it, it's been good. There's some plot armor stuff that happens where like I'm like I don't know why he made that decision, but it's gonna be fine anyway because he's the main character. There's some right. of those, but that's kind of par for the course. Um, to jump ahead to a news story, they canceled this show just as everyone expected them to. Punisher's canceled, and they went ahead and canceled Jessica Jones uh, as well. Season three will still air, but there's no release date. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a bummer. So I'm hoping that there's a, a satisfying conclusion versus it feeling open-ended because right. that would be a really big bummer. I, Aside from Daredevil, Punisher is the only Marvel Netflix show that I like. Same. So hopefully it ends in an okay way and we get some resolution to it. Um, a lot of other stuff that I've been watching is similar. So still watching some Arrested Development. So watching some Kitchen Nightmares, so watching some of The Office. We actually, I think we're done with The Office. We got to um, the Jim Pam wedding, and that was the last thing we watched. And I think we're going to move on and do a different show. I think that's like, because even though some episodes, because that's where Charles comes in is before that, where he's he just sucks all the funny out of the room. And like a lot of the storylines are like them arguing about whether, um, oh crap, that actress whether or not some actress is hot or not, and just a lot of just stories that are just real dumb and not funny. So this, it shows on its downward trend, and after the Jim Pam wedding, it only gets that much worse. So I think we're going to we're gonna pretend like that was the final episode. There you go. And it rides off into the sunset. Uh, just like what you do with Scrubs. Yeah, kind of. Um, but at least Scrubs, like the actual finale, was really good. It was worth suffering through some of those last things because the finale was good. The finale of The Office, like... The Dwight wedding thing was nice, but like, and like, oh, Steve Carell coming back, his whole thing with Holly, his send off and their kind of like court, like that was nice, but it's not worth it with all the rest of the stuff. Yeah. Like it, we're, it's in, we're in season five, I think at the end of season five or no, maybe season six. I don't remember, but like, there's still like 
three and a half seasons left. Yikes. That's too much uh, to want to watch. And then we watched another couple episodes of the Titan Games. The only thing I'll mention on the Titan Games is there was a sequence in one of the episodes where The Rock led the audience in a chant of Sexiest Man Alive in reference to himself. And that's about all I need to say about the Titan Games. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then <laughs> finally, or not finally, but uh, we watched Toy Story for Valentine's Day. Nice. Because I, I had just beaten the Toy Story world in Kingdom Hearts and I was kind of in the mood and we wanted to watch a movie for Valentine's Day, but not like a romantic. We just want to watch a good movie. So we watched uh, Toy Story. Holds up. CG is certainly not as impressive as it once was, but knowing that they made this in 1995, it's still pretty mind-boggling. Yeah. The kind of the color and animation of everything. Um, but yeah, the, the humor still holds up. The characters and the, the voice acting is still absolutely phenomenal. Certainly one of, if not the best, Pixar movie. So it's a good one. And then the last thing was we watched the Fire Festival documentary on Netflix. So are you familiar with the Fire Festival? No. Okay. It was a pretty big thing a year or so ago where there was this big new concert that oh, was supposed to be like yes. Woodstock and Burning Man the and off book um, people, Coachella. They, it, in the off-book, the improvised musical podcast, they uh-huh. uh, they mentioned this uh, straight straight fire is what they call it. Um, and like they reference this thing. It's part of one of their... like improvised plot lines it's very funny so that that's all i know about it is their like their straight fire you know version of this story i don't know the real story yeah i mean and not not to like dive into too much of the detail of it but it basically started as ja rule and this rich white dude who was a young quote-unquote entrepreneur but he isn't actually an entrepreneur he's literally just a con man they put together this application that would allow you to book high-end talent for like events and stuff but like you can do it in a phone app which just seems like a dumb idea in the first place but to promote this app they wanted to hold a concert with a lot of that talent and it became this huge thing where there were tickets they were selling for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. whoa because it was like a private island with a cruise ship and you could have your own yacht and like these beach houses that you could rent for the couple of days and like Blink-182 was going to be there. Some other like big artists were going to be there. The whole thing was like, hey, young, attractive, rich people come to this thing. That was their target market were young, rich people and like social media influencers. And it became huge because they paid celebrities to post about it all at the same time like i think it was kylie jenner maybe got paid like 200 grand to post about it on instagram wow and like there were our people in the events industry heard about this and they were like there's no way these guys know what they're doing like they've never done this before this thing is going to be a huge failure it's an interesting idea but they clearly can't do it and then within like a week, it sold out all of its tickets. And so all these events people were like, oh, maybe these guys do know what's going on. Like, I kind of want to get involved and see how this thing goes. But the reason they sold all their tickets is because they paid tens of millions of dollars to market this. They paid more to market it 
than they would make on ticket sales. Oh, wow. Like, you, yes, you can, like, you can do that with anything. If I'm trying to sell a new book for $10 and I have 100 copies, but I spend $800,000 promoting it and I sell out all of my copies, guess what? I still lost money. Right. Like, selling all of my copies isn't an accomplishment. So, anyway... The whole documentary is all about the behind the scenes. And the whole thing was a giant failure. I wouldn't be surprised, Kyle, if you've seen the meme and just didn't know the context of there was a fake. Because, like, literally, these are millionaire rich kids that, by and large, just have rich parents. It's not that they have done it themselves. They're spoiled, rich, white kids. But, like, they went to this island and the houses didn't exist Instead, they were asked to sleep in tents that had been used as hurricane refugee tents the previous year. It had rained the day before, so everything was soaking wet. They had no food. Like, the food that they got was, like, a piece of wheat bread with a slice of Kraft cheese on it and, like, six pieces of lettuce. And there was a famous picture of, like, hey, I paid $20,000 to be here. All of the bands canceled. This is my executive chef dinner. I don't have a bed to sleep on. Like, yes. So it was a bunch Whoa. of rich... And that's why the failure of this went viral. Because it was a bunch of rich white kids that were stranded on a desert island. Like Lord of the Flies style. So that's people amazing. Like, obviously made fun of it. I don't feel sorry for these people other than they were dumb enough to get taken advantage of. Because every step of the way, it should have been obvious that this was not going to come together. But anyway, it's it's a fascinating documentary just to see how the whole thing plays out. And literally, the dude behind this is a sociopath. Literally, he is a sociopath. It's unbelievable how he is able to manipulate people. And he is now in prison for six years because he defrauded investors and lied about like, oh, this person gave me $6 million and he had it in writing and that never happened and that kind of stuff. So he's in prison, as he should be. Ja Rule is not in prison and he also should be. So anyway, good documentary. So like, what was this guy's end game? Make money. But if he spent more on marketing than he could have gotten in tickets, then how? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not saying he knew how to make money. Oh, I'm just okay. saying that was that his was goal. The goal. Gotcha. <laughs> wow. And he was he was rich because he had a previous company where he like created a new credit card for rich people that was like super exclusive and you can get these discounts on tickets and it was a scam. And so he made millions of dollars and just didn't get caught. And then he did this and got caught and then he got out on bail and then he did a new company where he was selling these exclusive tickets and like was, he had his like email list from fire festival that he was using to email for his new scam company while he was out on bail and then he got caught again, obviously, and that's why he's in prison. Fucking moron, obviously. So anyway, Fire Festival. There, I think there's another Fire Festival documentary on Hulu, which I also want to check out. But this, we watched this one on Netflix, and it was quite good. Dang man, yeah, it was crazy. There's a sequence. Oh man, there. So there's this dude had um, like a mentor guy who's older. He's like in his fifties, and he's super gay. He talks about being gay. It, it, it. For the sake of the story, it matters that he is gay. I'm not just like, yeah, he's a gay guy. But anyway, 
So he this this mentor, this kid's mentor, who he's like one of the only people that believes in him, and I think is probably in love with this kid, which makes it that much more fucked up. But there was a sequence where they were trying to import like three boatloads of Evian water for all these rich kids. And they couldn't get it through customs because they didn't plan ahead because they were fucking morons. And so I guess the head of customs was like, you need to pay me $1.7 million to release this. And they were out of money and therefore wouldn't be able to get water, which really they're going to go to jail if they can't give water to the people who are on the island. And so the, the guy asks this gay mentor who was in love with him. And says, hey, I need you to take one for the team. And my assumption as a viewer was, he's asking him to pay the $1.7 million. Which is a very large ask. But that yeah. isn't what he want. That isn't what take one for the team meant. Instead, what, it, what he meant was, I need you to go to the customs office and suck this guy's dick. If you go to the customs office and suck this guy's dick, he'll release the water to us. And the dude was gonna do it. He's like, he tells the story in the documentary and he like went home and used mouthwash and took a shower and like got himself mentally prepared and drove to the customs office. And in his, I think it's a good direct quote, drove to the customs office fully prepared to suck dick. He didn't have to because the guy was like, hey, I'll release this. Just give me the money after blah, blah, blah. But yeah. That's how much of a monster this guy was. That, like, one of the only people in the world that believes in him, he said, I need you to go suck someone's dick so that I don't fail. Hashtag Fire Festival. <laughs> Straight fire. Share it on social media. Yeah. Oh, man. That's like one of the first off book episodes. Is it? Yeah. That's good. I need to listen to that. Yeah. Oh man, it's a crazy wow. story, dude. So, like, at every point, you're like, "There is how is this happening?" And yet, it gets crazier and crazier and crazier. It's bonkers, man. So, yeah. What else you got? Oh boy. Um. So my wife started watching Yu Gi Oh on Netflix. Okay. Is there a new Yu Gi Oh? Is there a no, new like series or like the original Yu Gi Oh? Um. You used to like Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, no, Yu-Gi-Oh is great. Um, the whole reason that that show existed was to sell cards, <laughs> right? Um, which Just apparently like still apparently that still works because my wife bought Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Nice collector's item. She gonna be a competitive Yu-Gi-Oh player? So she I got in her deck. So I got a text the other day, and it was, "Hey, would you be mad if I bought some Yu-Gi-Oh cards?" To which I responded, "Yes." I would be mm-hmm. mad if you bought Yu-Gi-Oh cards because why would you buy those? Like we just spent a lot of money not that long ago on Amiibo, on Amiibo cards, cards that we're not using. <laughs> I have a huge collection of Magic the Gathering cards that I don't use. Why would you buy Yu-Gi-Oh cards? This is a bad idea. We've had many mm-hmm. conversations the past few weeks about money. Why would you go spend money on Yu-Gi-Oh cards right now after having had those conversations? Um, to which I found out she asked me after she ordered them. <laughs> Classic. Classic marriage conversation. Yup. 
hey, would hey, babe, you be, will mad you be mad if, if I, I do this, this thing, thing that I already did? <laughs> yes. Well, I did it. <laughs> I guess you're going to be mad. <laughs> so, it was $20 and she's Oh, getting, well, that's not. No, it was so it was only $20 and she's getting 300 cards. It was like an eBay lot of cards. I mean, so. that's still not a great investment. No, but twenty dollars is not this. It's not the same as what you guys spent on amiibo cards. I thought you were talking Correct. hundreds of dollars here. No, and then yeah, that that's a problem. Twenty bucks, yep. like that's, yeah, it's forgivable, <laughs> but not forgettable. <laughs> right, that's that's the right attitude to have in marriage. <laughs> I'll forgive you, but I won't ever forget this. I won't ever forget. Um, <laughs> so. So there's that. And she keeps trying to get me to watch Yu-Gi-Oh! with her. But, like, I've seen the show a lot. So it's, like, it's a show that needs to be on in the background for me. Like, I need to be doing something else. Right. She always wants to watch it in the living room. And it's, like, it would be on the TV. So I don't have, like, things to do there. Because I want to play Far Cry on my PC. Mm. So she's, like, hey, come be, like, be with your wife in the living room. And I say, no. I'm going to be in the office. Yeah, I wouldn't call that being with your wife. Like, that's like, hey, come do a thing you don't want to do that I want to do. Like, that's not being together. Is it okay if I play this back to her later? <laughs> well, it's it's recorded. I'm on the internet. I'm not editing. I'm too lazy to edit this out. So. <laughs> do what you need to do. Yeah, but that's all I got. We're an hour and 20 minutes in. We got a lot of news. Yeah. I mean, obviously, a lot of the Metro talk is good. I want to hear about that game. But I'll take a lot of the blame for ranting for 30 minutes about Kingdom Hearts 3 again. It sucks, dude. It sucks. It It sucks sucks so much. And part of the reason I get so mad about it is that people are saying that it's good. And I'm like, literally, 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 I don't know how you think this is good. It's like with Red Dead 2. If you want to say that the story and the characters and everything overcomes the bad gameplay mechanics, totally fine. Completely subjective. That's fine. But if you're going to say that the gameplay in Red Dead 2 is good, you're an idiot. You are an idiot. Or you're lying to yourself. It's like Nazi Germany all over again, man. (laughs) They will justify to the ends of the earth like the safe option. And the safe (laughs) option is to trick yourself into believing that three is good. Because the the alternative is living with this madness. Yes. Yes. It's Eugene Ionesco's rhinoceros all over again. I will not be a rhino. I will not be a Nazi. And I will not say that Kingdom Hearts 3 is good. Preach. Preach. (laughs) I, I need to figure out a way to turn that into an episode title. I will not be a Nazi. I will not I will say not. Kingdom Hearts 3 is good. Uh, I'm going to have to think about that a little bit. How about Kingdom Hearts okay. 3 is for Nazis? How, is that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll workshop it a little bit. Yeah. I'll, find, I'll find the answer. Maybe Ugh. Nazis isn't the best thing to put in a title for a podcast, but we'll, we'll, right. we'll see. We'll see. We're pushing the boundaries on, on the Shades Everything podcast. That's what okay. we do. News. There's so much news. We're going to speed through a little bit of this just because, again, I don't want this to be a three and a half hour episode. But Nintendo had a direct. I think it was very clearly coming from a position of people are afraid that we're not releasing games. Our shareholders have been nervous about us not releasing games. So they announced a lot of games. Super Mario Maker 2 is happening. It's coming out on Switch in June of this year, which is pretty neato. Uh, it looks pretty similar to the first game. I mean, I didn't play because I didn't have a Wii U, but like, it's just kind of like additive elements. So there's a, um, uh, oh, what's it from? A 3D World 
skin with Cat Mario and everything. That wasn't in the first one. There's new enemy types. You can make, um, what's it called? Not not just steps, but like... Slopes. Sli- slopes, thank you, that's the word. Yeah. You can make slopes now, scrolling levels, um, some new UI. I'm interested to see how they work it out with the like actual uh, placement because the handheld right. switch is still different than on the Wii U. Um, so there is still a touch screen, so yes. potentially that could still work. But yeah, then, like, I would certainly think they so. need a good solution for when it's in docked mode, right? Which doesn't seem to be the ideal way to do that anyway, right? So maybe they just encourage people to to play it undocked. Yeah, um, but yeah, it looks neat. I'll, I'll certainly play it. I will probably experiment with making levels, but that's not really my thing. Like going back to like Little Big Planet days, like I didn't. That's not what I wanted. I wanted to play other people's creations. And yeah. Just hearing about all the insane things from the first Super Mario Maker, like I'm super pumped to, to play through this as well. Yeah. I really hope that they're able to take the library of levels from the first Super Mario Maker mm. and make them available mm-hmm. out of the gate. Because like otherwise there might not be that much on launch. Like for the first Super Mario or the first Mario Maker, they had like developer created levels. Right. Like levels that like the the developers had made you could go ahead and play and then you know it wasn't too long before some levels started filtering in and stuff yeah. uh, and then the really crazy stuff started happening but it and i guess like i guess it probably wouldn't take that long for people to start putting out crazy stuff since they've sure the people who are going to do that have already made they've stuff already in the it. first one so they're yeah. familiar with the systems yeah so i guess maybe they don't have to do that i don't know i just i well, I guess my biggest hope is that there is a better way to like follow creators to yes. share levels. I hope all that stuff is much better. Like instead yes. of having like a thirteen-digit level code, I hope there's a better way of doing that. Yeah, I mean, Nintendo has made a lot of strides with their online infrastructure, but they're not where they. I wouldn't need to say be. a lot, <laughs> a but few they have strides. They they've made a lot of strides. That just shows how bad it used to be. Well, yeah. That's that's my point. Like friend codes and shit. Like it's just the dumbest stuff. They so, still have those. I know. So that that's my point is yes, I I also hope they do better, but I'm not convinced they will. Uh but yes, I I hope they do better. Um they announced a Link's Awakening remake which looks amazing. Um it looks like Link Between Worlds on 3DS kind of style, but like cutesy. Uh, like very chibi style, which I, I I can super get into. Yeah, it looks um, like they threw that lighting engine from Octopath Traveler onto it too. Yeah, a little bit. It has a little bit of that like um, shaders mod. Yes, shaders lighting. mod from Minecraft, the realistic shaders mod, definitely. Uh, it's supposed to be coming out in 2019, so that that could be awesome uh, in the fall. Certainly w- w- would sound good, or even like late summer. Uh, they've announced a lot of games that are coming out in the summer, which um, is interesting because summer slump is usually a thing. Tetris 99, which is already available, came out the day that they announced it. It is a battle royale, but with Tetris, I've heard really good things about it. I'm not a huge Tetris aficionado or a battle royale aficionado, just like competitive multiplayer in general. So I'm not really sure I'm going to get into this. It is free, quotes, air quotes, with their Nintendo Online subscription, which I don't have because I don't have a reason to have it. Right. Um I guess I should say, when it comes to things like Super Mario Maker, you probably will have to have their online subscription. Or yeah, that's going to be levels, the thing so. that gets me to buy it. So yeah, yeah. Well, like what we can do is we could probably have like a family plan. Yeah, maybe. And then you and I could probably share that. Yeah. Um, there uh, is a new game from Square Enix 
called Oninaki, which is an action RPG behind the developers of Lost Sphere and I Am Setsuna, which were both kind of like, not mediocre might be overly harsh, but like they weren't all that popular, like old school JRPGs on Nintendo systems. So I'm kind of like, about this announcement. Both of those games seemed interesting to me, but just given the reception of them, I'm not like going to take a lot of time to dive into them necessarily. But that, again, is also coming out this summer. So curious to see more of it. The trailer they put out was just a story trailer. Didn't really have much gameplay to it. So I'd want to see a little bit more of that. But the positive is it's not a turn-based RPG. It's more of an action RPG. So if that combat system is good, this could be um, much better received. Yeah, this is the kind of thing that should come out in the summer, too. Yeah, it's a smaller kind of, not forgettable experience, but like, it's like an Octopath Traveler, where it's just like, yeah, it's just a classic, old-school game. Yeah. Uh, New game from Platinum Games, called Astral Chain, which looks anime AF. Yes. It is future Japan cops fighting mechs and monsters, and there's a robo-dog, and chains, and swords, and guns. It looks insane. I just love how coy Nintendo is with everything. Like, at the end of the trailer, you may have noticed it looked like there were two people fighting. (laughs) More about that later. It's like, yes, I I have eyes to see, Nintendo. I got it. Uh, It's being directed by the director of Nier Automata gameplay and combat leads, which was a good part of that game. I didn't love Nier Automata, but um, Automata, however you want to pronounce it. But the combat of it was interesting. So this, the combat looks interesting, but this style of game is just not my vibe whatsoever. Right. Right. Uh, Comes out on August 30th. I know because it's Platinum Games, a lot of people are are pretty hyped about it. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be one of their games. So you already kind of know if you like that or not. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, And then they announced a bunch of other stuff, which we'll hit in a little more rapid fashion. So Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is coming out in the summer. Uh, Captain Marvel is in it. There are new synergy attacks with multiple characters, much like in the old school games. You could do these like combo attacks. They have new versions of those in, in this game. Demon X Machina is coming out this summer as well. There is a demo available right now on the eShop, which I need to remind myself to check out because I'm curious. Dragon Quest Builders 2 comes out on July 12th. Yet another game releasing in the summer. Yeah. Fire Emblem Three Houses, new Fire Emblem game because there's always a new Fire Emblem game. <laughs> it's coming out on July 26th. Yet another game releasing in the summer. Yeah. Uh, Final Fantasy VII, not the remake, but a the, I think it's the a PC port. version yeah. is coming out on Switch uh, on March 26th. Final Fantasy IX, the PC version of that, is available right now. And then I think they mentioned I think um, a Chocobo game or Final some I don't yeah I Chocobo I Mystery Dungeon Mystery Dungeon that's what it was yeah that that's coming out as well I don't know that they put a release date on that but. Uh, it's coming out as well. So all these Final Fantasy ports are putting out. No Final Fantasy 13, unfortunately. I'm one of like the rare defenders of Final <laughs> Fantasy 13. Yeah, I don't know that you'll see a remaster of that, but not Final Fantasy 13 2, not Final Fantasy 13 Lightning Returns, only the first game. I like the first game. That's it. Um there are a lot of third-party ports coming to Switch, which there may be even more third-party ports coming to Switch, which we'll talk about later on in the news section, but Dead by Daylight is coming out in the fall. It has all the DLC. Unravel 2 comes out on March 22nd. Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice is coming out in the the spring. Um, There's also Assassin's Creed during that direct as well. Okay, I missed that. That looked rough. Which Assassin's Creed was it? The first game? No, it was... um, 
Assassin's Creed 3. Ooh. Yeah, and it looked like the frame rate was like sub 30. That's not good. It was bad. <laughs> uh, and then they are bringing a co-op mode to Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. I should say they did bring a co-op mode. You can play that now. And there's more DLC coming out on March 14th with new challenges and new courses. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, I like yeah. Treasure Tracker. Captain I, Toad's my man. I think I have Treasure Tracker. Did I get that for Christmas? Or maybe I bought it earlier. I don't recall. But I did want it because I, I was like, eventually I'll play this. Yeah, it's just um, fun. Yeah, I'll check it out. Good fun. So, yeah, it's interesting because of all these announcements, the vast majority of them are coming out in the summer. And none of them, none of the release dates given were for the fall. And like they still the didn't time. say anything about Animal Crossing. True. But they have said that it's coming out this year. So that could be a fall release. And maybe they'll just show it at E3 or something. I don't want it in the fall. <laughs> want it in the summer when I'll That's have a really time. good summer game, too. Yeah, that's a good summer game. Uh, so that was everything from the Direct. But in in Nintendo news as well, Reggie fils is retiring as Which president of Nintendo North America. It is crazy. He's been That's in that nuts, role man. for 13 years. His nuts. body is ready to retire. Yeah. Always seemed like a good dude. Clearly cared about video games. Had a fun personality. Seemed like he meshed really well with the the uh, the Japanese uh, executives on the team. Yeah. And he is being replaced by newly hired Doug Bowser, who was initially hired before the Switch launch to run sales and marketing. I feel he like he of... was mostly hired for his last <laughs> name. But the key of it is he ran the sales and marketing for the Switch launch. Right. Which was very which, successful, yes. obviously. So and he clearly so, knows what yeah. he's doing. Yeah. He doesn't seem to have the same kind of like kooky personality that Reggie fils had, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, and his name's Bowser. And I made a joke on Twitter that 2020 should be year of the Bowser because they had like year of Luigi, year of Yoshi, blah, blah, blah. They need to have year of Bowser. Because it's a good joke. Because uh, his name's Bowser. Follow you on Twitter at. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean I don't mean my joke was good. I just mean having a year of Bowser would be a good joke with the new president. But my joke was also good at Shay underscore Castle on Twitter. Thanks. Um, okay. <laughs> um, so we have some rumor mill stuff, but a lot of these have been corroborated by multiple sources. So it seems like these could be legit. These are Microsoft-focused. Um, apparently, they're unveiling their new console at E3, which people have been guessing at for a while. They sort of announced it, or at least they said that they're working on the next console at last E3. But the rumor is that they're going to fully unveil it this year, which especially would make sense because Sony's not going to be there. So, this kind of right. gives them the light, the, uh, the spotlight. Yeah. Uh, the rumor is that they will be announcing it with two versions there will be a digital-only version of the next console that will be kind of an entry-level price, and then there will be an Xbox One X premium-priced, which will be the actual console. Which tells me, I mean, if true, that means their regular console will be premium-priced, not like the $400 or $300 the way that it was last time, but maybe $450 or $500 uh, as their normal console, which is scary. The way that I, it sounds like, if true, they would get around this is by having that entry-level one where it's digital only for maybe like 250 or something much cheaper that will be less powerful, blah, blah, blah. But 
that's not what I or I would think the majority of their hardcore fan base would want. So right. we'll be very interesting to see this. The rumor says that the launch will be in fall of 2020, which makes sense from a timeline perspective. Um, they will be putting out a discless Xbox One this fall as kind of a precursor to this digital-only version of their console as a, you know, a cheaper... Um, way of people of getting people in their ecosystem and especially as like a for people like me or you or i guess you have an xbox one already but for people like me as a second console or in my case a third console well like a a late adopter yes a late adopter who already has a different console it makes a lot more sense to have a cheaper version especially knowing that the next console is on the horizon so it's like okay so if this generation is kind of waning then now is a good time to get in cheap and I can play the existing library of things that I've been yeah, waiting like to play. Yeah, like three games that are good on Xbox One. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, so as part of this rumor, the Halo Infinite that they revealed last year would be a launch title. It would be a kind of RPG light, like with some RPG mechanics, some player choice, blah, blah, blah. Story but also stuff. the thing to note is that like Microsoft has been increasingly like supporting the PC end of their gaming library. So mm-hmm. if this is a launch title for the next console, I'll still probably be able to get it on PC as fair, you know. So like I personally I'm not that like I'm not dreading this big drop of money on a new console because most things that are going to be on Microsoft and not Sony are going to be first party and therefore available on PC. Well, so. and, and we'll we'll get to another reason in in a minute. But the only other thing to mention here is, as part of this rumor, they're also saying Ninja Theory's first Microsoft exclusive game after their acquisition would be a launch window game for this as well. Yeah. But to your point about playing Xbox games on PC and not needing a console, another rumor which was led into by their announcing of like Nintendo and Microsoft partnering together was that. Xbox Game Pass and a lot of Xbox games will be able to be played on Switch starting as early as this year. So the rumor specifically lists Ori and the Blind Forest as being one of the like inherent games uh, that are available on multiple consoles. Well, specifically Xbox and Switch, not PlayStation. But right. also that uh, Microsoft will use their Project X Cloud streaming service to allow Game Pass to work on Switch. So you'd be able to play all these games. You'd be able to stream Xbox games digitally. You wouldn't be able to like download them because they're not made for that. Like These aren't ports. You'd right. be streaming them. So hard to say like the, what the quality might be like. I know with Gaikai, the PlayStation Now streaming ne- network, it really depends on what game it is, how well that works. Like kind of like hardcore first-person shooters don't usually stream very well, but something a little more strategic works fine because that milliseconds of input lag don't matter. But for a game like Ori and the Blind Forest, which is a really tight platformer, doesn't seem like the ideal game for that kind of thing. So we'll just have to wait and see, assuming it's even real. But right. they're saying this could come out as early as this year, which, again, that would be another huge bomb to drop at E3 in a position where Sony wouldn't be able to respond because they don't have their own press conference or anything. So that's a big deal. Um, Google is looking to enter the world of video games. This has been rumored for quite a while. They unveiled plans for a, an event on March 19th, which is the beginning of uh, GDC, the game developers conference that's held every year. Very few details on the invite, other than, like, all will be revealed at sort of thing. But it's 
everybody's saying this is going to be about video games. It's either going to be a new console or more likely some sort of digital gaming streaming service, which would be quite interesting. Uh, Phil Harrison, who used to be an executive at Microsoft and at Sony, left in 2018 to join Google to work on an unannounced project. That's probably this. So I'm like, it's. I'm really curious to see what this is going to be. Yeah. And how it's going to work. Like, are they just going to sell a controller and you play it on your PC? Like, how is this? I, I'm, I'm really interested. Because, I mean, Google is kind of has their fingers and toes and everything at this yeah. point. Um, I mean, yeah. they have their Android platform on, right. and their phones and stuff. But those haven't been a dedicated gaming thing. So, I don't know. The, the future of this could be quite interesting. Because, like, my, <coughs> excuse me. Microsoft tried last time around to make it like it's your all-in-one entertainment platform. It's not just games, but it's also you can get your TV subscription and everything, and that didn't work. But it might have just been because people weren't ready for that yet. With this new, like, the next consoles could be that. And Sony has been making moves with their streaming service and their patents, backwards compatibility, where, like, that could be their plan. Like, they've had Sony Music for a while. It's been relatively successful on their platform. Like they have their own place or my um, PlayStation View, their TV service. Like they could bundle that all and make it that's their platform. You know, it's all of your entertainment. It's games and movies and TV and music, all of it into one thing. Could be quite interesting. Yeah. Okay, and then we have some video game roadmaps. So Anthem has released. You'll notice we didn't talk about Anthem in our video games. Because I did not buy Anthem. I have you, it. Yes, you have it. I'm playing Far Cry 5 right now, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said that if you end up playing it and enjoying it, you might be able to convince me to get it. But Which means you're response, not going to get it. Yeah, because you're not going to like not it. Because like it's it. not going to be good. <laughs> but my thing is, like, I'm having a kid. So I need to be more fiscally responsible for one, but I also need to be more uh, sensitive to like how much time I have in my life moving forward. And so I can't afford, literally and figuratively, to take a chance on a game like Anthem anymore. Like, look at Fallout 76. Like, I was like, you know what? This looks like it's going to be bad, but I'm just going to go for it anyway. And it wasn't worth it. So I, I can't do that anymore, which is why I did not buy Anthem. But... BioWare put out kind of their initial roadmap for uh, Anthem in the first third of 2019. Um, It's a 90-day plan. They have new events coming in February. Events, missions, and cosmetics in March. Way more events in April. And then a new progression system. And, like, they're launching guilds in April. And then in May, they have a big expansion called Cataclysm. uh, That'll have events and missions and then obviously like ongoing bug fixes and new challenges, etc. Dailies, weeklies, monthlies. Uh, so this seems to me like, I mean, given the game just launched a week ago, this is them getting out and being like, we're the reception has not been good. I'm not <laughs> sure if sales have been good. My anticipation is they haven't been as good as they would expect. Right. Uh, because of the quality and the reception. But um, this is them like, we're going to support this game still. That, that That's what seems like the message of this is. Yeah. Which is good. Uh, they shouldn't abandon it, but um, we'll see if, if it'll be enough to keep players around and or bring in new players. My assumption is probably not. Probably we'll not. 
Um, Bethesda put out their more official roadmap for Fallout 76. They've kind of talked in loose terms about their plans for 2019, but they announced their three releases. In spring is uh, Wild Appalachia, which has two new quest lines, a new PvP mode, uh, like a survival game mode, I should say, for PvP, new decorations for your camp, as well as brewing and distilling, which could be fun and cute. Yeah. In the summer is Nuclear Winter, which seems weird to release Nuclear Winter in the summer, but that's just me. There's a new game mode called Nuclear Winter, where they haven't really detailed that yet, but who knows? That could be potentially cool if it really changes the game in significant ways. New raids for Vault 94 and 96, and a new prestige system for like high-level players to kind of show off all the cool shit that they have. Yeah. And then in the fall is Wastelanders, which is a new quest line and new events and then uh, new factions as well. So similarly, it's them coming out and saying, hey, we have a long-term plan to support this game for the rest of the year. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I think I'd like to jump back into it when Wild Appalachia drops just to see where it's at by that time. Because, like, reportedly, the game runs a lot better now. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of the technical stuff, a lot of those hiccups have been solved. Because um, it's been getting, like, frequent quality of life updates. So, yeah. The core of it for me is still, I want to play it as a single player game. And it's not meant as a single player game. It's not really meant as either one is part of the problem. Like, it doesn't have NPCs. doesn't have strong quest lines. It's a bunch of audio diaries and notes. And, like, if you're playing with multiple people, are you really going to sit there and read a note? Like, it just, it, I don't, yeah. Not to go back into Fallout 76. I just don't understand. It feels like they were mixed on who they were making this game for. And I'm not convinced that this new stuff is going to fix my core problems with the game. Ubisoft, as part of their earnings call, has said that they have three to four AAA games launching this fiscal year. So between April 2019 and March of 2020. Three to four AAA games. Really curious to see what those are going to be because the Division 2 is not included in that because it's right. launching before this fiscal year ends. Far Cry New Dawn just came out, so you can't imagine there's going to be another Far Cry. They've already announced that there's going to be no Assassin's Creed in 2019, which I guess theoretically they could release a, an Assassin's Creed in early 2020 and still be part of this, but I doubt that's what they're, they're going to do. Right. Skull and Bones is coming on that time frame, so that's one of those games. But then, like, if you look at the other games that they have announced, like Beyond Good and Evil 2, do we really think that game's going to be ready in this time? So, So, like, what are the other games that they could do? I have, like, a a quick list. Like, there's probably going to be a Just Dance, but, like, do they consider that one of their AAA games? I'm not so sure. They could do a new Watch Dogs. That probably makes sense given timing perspective. There's been a really long rumored Splinter Cell game that everybody thought they would announce at E3. Please. So that's that's Please. high potential. They could put out The Crew 3, but The Crew 2 wasn't really well uh, responded to and I think came out this last year, so that might be too early for that as well. Yeah. They could do a Rayman game, but like, would that be a AAA release? I'm not so sure. So, like, I the numbers just don't add up to me because it's like right. if there are three to four games, there's Skull and Bones. Splinter Cell question mark Watchdogs I guess that's three but like I don't know I'm just not seeing how that necessarily adds up to three to four in the next year with a bunch of games they haven't announced gotta be Splinter Cell man come on I think so I think Splinter Cell and Watchdogs will be 
the other two. I could see one of them coming out in the fall and one of them coming out in the spring. I could definitely see that happening. Um, so yeah, interest could be interesting E3 from Ubisoft. Square Enix is also anticipating a major release this fiscal year. Uh, they specifically said to pay attention in the days and weeks leading up to E3 and at E3 for this announcement. So it could be a brand new thing that they haven't talked about. It could also be the Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'm not holding my breath. It could be this Avengers project that they announced and haven't said literally anything about that Crystal Dynamics has been working on. It, or it could be like a brand new thing that we don't know anything about. Uh, I don't know. The the the, the uh, support for Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy VII Remake would be back months ago, they've been asked about, hey, where's the project? And their whole thing was like, we're not talking about this game until Kingdom Hearts 3 is out. Well, Kingdom Hearts 3 is out. So could make sense for them to go back to Final Fantasy VII and release that first part of it this year. Who knows? And then they also, as part of the like revenue projections, they had a big spike in Q3, which is the winter time. So that's probably when this game will release, is probably fair to say. Oh, uh, okay. Um, the next Call of Duty will have a single-player mode, which I'm sure is an effect of Black Ops 4 not meeting expectations. Uh, I mean, obviously, Call of Duty's been on a downward trend for several years, and the response to Black Ops 4 was positive, by and large, but the sales weren't as you know high as they would necessarily want, especially for it being Black Ops 4, which is kind of like the tentpole series inside of the Call of Duty series. Uh, they also said it's still going to have a traditional multiplayer mode. We'll have a new co-op mode. I'd imagine it's probably also going to have a Battle Royale mode because it's, yep, everything has a Battle Royale mode nowadays. Uh, yeah, I'm just kind of surprised that they're so quickly saying, oh, we're adding this back in. It just seems weird. But probably lends credence to the rumor that Black Ops 4 was going to have a single-player mode, and they canceled it because they weren't going to finish it in time. Right. So that that could make sense. Of it, That wasn't the idea from the get-go. Could make sense. I'll buy it. If it has a single-player and co-op, I will buy it. If it is a new story and looks good, I would consider it. But it's also Infinity Ward's turn, so I'm not holding my breath on it being good. Um, Platinum Games. So last episode we talked about, you know, Grand Blue Fantasy Project got canceled, which was a bummer, but they've had a couple other new games be announced since then. But the... Director of Bayonetta 2 has left Platinum Games. The assumption was he was also directing Bayonetta 3, which is, if that's true, it's not great for Bayonetta 3. Especially because um, we haven't heard anything about it since it was announced. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. It seems like a lot of change is happening at Platinum, and a lot of the change is not awesome. But they announced that whatever game at this Nintendo Direct, um, they still have other stuff coming down the pike they have that babylon's fall game so they're still working on stuff uh it's just some some transition seems to be happening at platinum thq nordic is continuing their crazy acquisition of mid-tier developers and game properties by acquiring the developers behind kingdom kingdom come deliverance uh no like no one knows what that studio was working on or if it was like anything new or if they were just continuing to support their game before moving on to the next project. 
So we'll see. I mean, yeah, like I said, it's just another kind of middle tier acquisition of a B studio by THQ Nordic. They seem to be acquiring a lot of those types of studios. Not sure like what their play is. Right. Like what's their, are they gearing up for something big or are they just like trying to play the market share a bit or like what? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I I know like Kingdom Come has like a, a niche following for sure. It was a uh, cool kind of like idea. A, kind of like a cult hit. Yeah. I was I was really interested in it, but then I also heard like some not so favorable things about right. what some of the, the project leads had come out and said publicly about certain issues. Um, and so I kind of like was like, well, maybe if it's like significantly on sale someday, I'll get it because mm-hmm. I want to play the game. And mm-hmm. what a couple people say isn't representative of the team as a whole necessarily. So I would put that on the back burner but it's just never been on sale like low enough it's because yeah. it's a 60 dollars game and at most it's been on sale for like 48 and mm-hmm. like if it's down to like 30 maybe i'll get it for 30 which might happen during like the summer sale this summer i would dive into it then um but i know like they keep putting out dlc packs for yeah. it like new quests and uh, new mechanics and stuff so like, they're supporting that game past release in kind of a surprising way. Uh, so it must be doing well enough for them to continue the development of that, which is probably why THQ went ahead and picked them back up, or picked them up. Right. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, for me, uh, it was always more, because I was interested in the game as well, just the concept of it. But it was more about, like, the reception and it being really buggy and maybe not, like, it was kind of unfinished when it launched. And that's what kind of, like, soured me on putting it out there. But agree, it's it not ever going on sale, at least significantly. I was not, I'm not I'm not going to spend forty five dollars on a maybe I'll like this sort of game, right? So yeah, uh, the developers of Fury, the great the game bakers is the name of the studio. They have announced a new game called Haven. So this is notable because Fury was a really cool sort of like shoot 'em up boss kind of game, um, bullet hell sort of style with it, like a really fucking awesome soundtrack. So they put out a little trailer that's. It's, it's only like a minute long, just like a little teaser. Uh, and then they have some screenshots that show a little bit more of the gameplay. But this is like an adventure RPG, they described it as. So it's a pretty big departure from what they did before. Right. But the music in the trailer is still really kicking. So I'm hoping that the music is still a strong aspect of the game. Looks cool. They've said they've been working on it for two years. It's supposed to come out in 2020, so we still have a ways to wait. But uh, it looks neat. If you want to check out the trailer... I will have a link in the show notes on shehateseverything.com. Um, okay, moving into movies. Star Wars Episode Nine. It's done filming. It's going to be over. It's, yep. Now the bulk of the work begins because as time goes on, they do less and less practical effects. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, it comes out on December 20th. Who knows? I mean, J.J. Abrams came out because he was asked, like, hey, did the response to The Last Jedi change this movie at all? And he was basically like, no. It's, you know, it's the third movie in a trilogy, so we're still wrapping up this story, but it's still the Star Wars movie I wanted to make. Which, like, it's a pretty, that's kind of a non-answer, but I have far more faith in J.J. Abrams, obviously, than I do in Ryan Johnson. So, yeah, fine. Uh, Ryan Johnson is still working on his Star Wars trilogy, which... I'm hoping it gets canceled because <laughs> I have to see it if it comes out and boy, howdy do I not want to, but I'm a sucker. So I will. 
and right. I'm sure I'm going to hate it and people are going to get mad. It was funny, like, on, <laughs> um, I saw this on IGN where they posted about the fil- that filming had wrapped. And uh, I just left what I thought was a relatively innocuous comment just saying, like, I really hope this wraps up well and is good. Personally, I still feel like there hasn't been a great Star Wars film since Return of the Jedi. And boy, people were real mad at me. Most people agreed, but like the comments obviously are all people that are mad. And like really misinterpreting what I said of like, there have been plenty of good aspects to the recent ones. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't say there, there weren't. Like I said, there hasn't been a great Star Wars movie since Return of the Jedi. I didn't say that every Star Wars movie since Return of the Jedi has sucked. But it's just the internet, so people only see things in black and white. And yeah. it's really annoying. So anyway, that was frustrating. Uh, Here's your bi-weekly reminder to remove yourself from all social media. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, exactly. I'm having a great time. I know, man. Yeah. Um, okay, and then finally, I really only added this story because I figured, Kyle, you would have a funny response to it. A sequel to A Quiet Place is happening. It's coming out May 15th, 2020. John Krasinski's going to direct again. Emily Blunt's still starring. I'm pretty excited for it. How do you feel? Are you pumped for this? A Quiet Place 2, Waterfall Edition. (laughs) Yeah, I'd watch it. I would watch watch that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I have a feeling, like, tonally, I I have a feeling this movie will be significantly different than the first one. Because, like, they Hmm. just figured out the weakness, like, exactly how to... Beat so them. It's a little more so action-y. I feel like it's going to be more of an action movie. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. That would that would take away a lot of what was so special about A Quiet Place. Right, which begs the question, do we need to make a second one? Well, John Krasinski says yes. I I you are I'm not saying you're doing this, but we don't know anything about this movie, so we can't like assume what it's going to be. Could sure. it be more actiony and them taking it down? Yes. But could they find a creative way to keep the tension and the drama and the horror to it. Certainly they could figure that out. So do we know it's for sure called a quiet place too? No, he just okay. posted the Instagram post. It just said part two coming. Cause maybe it's like an early days thing. Like it takes place before the first movie. Interesting. That would make more sense to me. I'm not sure than- what that would be with Emily Blunt still in it though. Uh, oh, she's still in it. Yeah. Oh, Emily Blunt starring. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. And I don't he know. specifically said part two, so I, I, it, okay. I feel like it kind of has to be a sequel. But my point is, like, they could find a way that isn't dumb to keep the same vibe as the first one. She got a baby in one arm and a shotgun in the other. I would watch that. Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt was incredible in that movie. Absolutely incredible. So I would watch her again in this. Okay, last thing. Except when she stepped on that nail. She spends her whole life watching every step she takes. (laughs) That's the whole thing. That's why they put sand on the ground. You have to watch where you step every step you take because you don't want to make noise. But she steps on that nail. But wasn't there something happening where, like, she had to rush? I don't remember the context. But I feel like there were... But I feel like there was something happening that might take her out of her normal mode of thinking. 
just it's fine you can continue making excuses for oh the movie God. that it, the movie can't make for itself i was te- i was talking to kelly about this it's probably still my favorite movie i saw in 2018 which i did really like it but i feel like it says more about i didn't see enough movies and the overall quality of the movies i saw wasn't quite as high because like if if a quiet place is my number one movie of 2018 it would have been like number eight on my list in 2017 so I, I, you know, it's just it's hard okay. to say, but I still did really love the movie. Clearly, okay, that was good. We, I feel like we got through that news quick Whew, with we still did. good context. So let's do a hate of the shotgun week shotgun wedding, and then we'll call it an episode. Hate of the week. So this is just I kind of had this realization that a lot of video games recently haven't been good like they've been a bummer to me i know to man. me personally i'm not saying overall because plenty of people like plenty of different games but like part of it is this whole movement of battle royales like i'm just not interested and so the games everyone's talking about it was PUBG, and then it was Fortnite. now it's apex legends tetris 99 like i just am not interested in the games that are the biggest games and so that's kind of like it's a very personal selfish thing but like that's a little bit of a bummer but bigger picture like if you look at a lot of the largest releases from the past four five six months most of them either i have played and not enjoyed or i specifically have not decided to play because they didn't look good and haven't been good so like kingdom hearts 3 pretty good example of this red dead redemption 2 fallout 76 pokemon let's go shadow of the tomb raider Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Like, that's a lot of games I've played. Big releases. And I haven't liked any of those. Obviously, it's a sliding scale. Yeah. Assassin's Creed Odyssey is fine. But it's not great. And so it was disappointing to me. So Similarly with Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Which I, I had somewhat lower expectations for. But it was still like, it was a big release that I didn't enjoy. And I played through it. So that's just like a bummer. And then there are all the games that, like, these are big releases that I was like, this looks like it's going to suck, and boy, did it. Like, Far Cry New Dawn. Granted, not suck might be an exaggeration, but the response to that game has been fairly tepid. Yeah, Crackdown for sure. 3 seems like a hot, steaming pile of garbage. Oh, man. Which, to be fair, I always said it was going to be a hot, steaming pile well, of garbage. Yeah. But it is. And then Anthem has been a complete mess. So, like... Granted, I still want to play Metro Exodus. I'm hoping that I like it. But hearing from you, it doesn't hit on a lot of the best things you like about Metro. Like, it makes me a little nervous that I'm not going to love it as much as I obviously want to love it. And, like, we talked about this last episode. Like, looking at the upcoming releases are a bunch of games I'm not interested in. Like, Devil May Cry 5, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, Mortal Kombat. And then the games that I am interested in... Rage 2, Days Gone, maybe, Yoshi's Crafted World, maybe. Like, I'm not that psyched about any of those. So I don't know, dude. It just it's 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 a weird time for me with video games, and it just makes me nervous. Because I have not lost my passion for the hobby. It's just I feel like the quality of games has not been that great in the last six months when it comes to AAA releases. Yeah, I feel like they're I don't know, like, innovation is a good thing in general, but it feels like we're 
stepping away from what you and I, as an industry, what you and I think, it feels like as an industry, we're stepping away from what, Shay, you and I view as a cohesive and rewarding gaming experience and more towards quick hit, one-off, like, get your fix and go experiences. Like like a battle royale, like phone game, like mobile tropey stuff. Like I, I that's where I feel like a lot of the money is in the industry. So that's mm-hmm. where I feel like a lot of the industry is going. Yes. And they try to take lessons and elements of those experiences and inject them in the kinds of experiences that you and I like. And I think it's detrimental. Yeah, I'm, I I think it's two things. I agree with you. That is one thing as the industry grows and expands and reaches new audiences and a more casual audience. Cause those are the people that matter. Like there will always be smaller games for hardcore people. There will always be God of wars that are, ex- I know you didn't like it, but like generally using that as an example, very high quality single player experiences for hashtag video gamers. But those aren't the people that cause you to sell 20 million copies. Right. You have to hit the casual market. And the casual market wants mobile games. They want Battle Royale games. And like you said, those are not games you and I are interested in. The second point, though, is the opposite of this. Where they are releasing sequels or new games that are not innovative. Like Fallout 76, I wouldn't say is innovative. It is innovative for Fallout. But it's not, I don't think it's really doing anything that new. And it fails at it, much like Anthem. Anthem's not really doing anything new. It's doing Destiny again and failed at it like Destiny did. But the bigger thing is, like, look at a lot of the other games on this list. Kingdom Hearts 3, Crackdown 3, Pokemon Let's Go, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. None of those games are doing anything new. In fact, they are doing the same thing that has been played. Either, like in the case of Assassin's Creed, is played out. And you, we've gotten too much of it recently. Or in the case of Crackdown or Kingdom Hearts, they're trying to tap into outdated gameplay mechanics that are not relevant anymore. Red Dead is kind of the exception on this list because obviously most people loved it and it has a great story and characters. But from a gameplay, that's more just like that's Rockstar's style and I just don't like their style. So that's that's not really applicable here. But a lot of these other games, like it's it's one of those things. It's... They are trying to chase the new hotness of style in games, or they're trying to ape classic gameplay mechanics that don't work anymore. And like, neither of those seems like a winning strategy to me, just from a high level. Like, why can't you iterate and innovate on modern gameplay mechanics? That's what the best game, the games that come out that do well are the games that do that. Right. Why aren't more games doing that? I just, it seems, seems weird. So we'll see how Rage 2 comes out. Because that's kind of the only game in this first half of the year that I'm excited for. It seems like it could be doing some cool things with open world, with shooters, with its personality. So we'll see. We just need Last of Us 2. Because we know that game is going to be amazing. Yeah. But I th- that's feeling more and more like that's a PlayStation 5 launch game. In fall of 2020. Unfortunately. You make me sad. Yeah. Or or a, a game where like it crosses over. 
Yeah. Where it's on, at the tail end of PS4 and then a port comes to PS5 early on. Something like that. So, point being, I don't think we're going to get it this year. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think we're going to get it this year. All right. Before we wrap up, something we don't hate. And I don't hate weekends. Because even though, like, with the baby coming, with Kelly kind of, like, struggling, she's having back pain, like, just low energy and all that kind of stuff. Like, I'm taking on a lot more responsibilities, running errands and cleaning and all that, cooking, all that kind of stuff. I have less of Shay time on the weekends. It still is nice to decompress. Because work is, like, there's just a lot going on. I'm still stressed and all the babies. Like, it's still nice to, like, sit down and do a podcast for two hours. You know what I mean? Like, so. Yeah. Weekends. Weekends are good. I agree. Um, I don't hate my high school theater kids most of the time. (laughs) You struggled with this one today. You struggled with a don't hate. I struggled to find a don't hate. Yeah. Just cut, like, just things have been shitty. Like, I found out about the painting yesterday, Mm. the ring, and, like, just, like, the show being very overwhelming right now. And then all the, none of the games I've played I've been crazy about. Right. And then... Uh, like Punisher's getting better, but like between like episodes two to five, it was like kind of like uh, I don't know if I like where this is going, but it's getting better now. Yeah, it, it's um, it's I'm I think we're in some like I'm not like super psyched to sit down and watch Punisher, but like it's good. But like it, yeah. I'm not I'm not like ooh after we finish this I gotta go watch more Punisher. Right. Yeah. And like just thinking about because I, I want to go back to school, become an English teacher, and mm-hmm. like trying to wrap my head around that stuff, and it's just hard to get all the information straight. And, like, figure out how I'm going to be able to make that happen and still pay bills. And, like, just, there's, I have too much shit going on at once right now. So it's hard to find a don't hate. But, as usual, my don't hate is the theater kids because there's a good group of kids. Yesterday was a fucking really bad day because we had crew from 10 to 3. And there was this big thing going on at the school with all these bands coming in and out. So there wasn't parking. And we had to get a truck in the loading dock to move stuff to another building. And that was such a mess trying to get that to happen and work with their, like, event coordinator people outside. And it just sucked. And then, like, the cabinets I'm trying to build for the costumes were not going right. And I couldn't find the right hinges. I finally found the right hinges. But, like, while I was there, I couldn't get them to work. And, like, the plywood kept splitting at just the wrong times. (laughs) And, like, (laughs) all this shit just, like, not going well. But my, my theater kid stuck through it. Nice. And they made they made stuff happen, and they're working hard on the show, and it motivates me to also continue to work hard and push myself. So that's why the don't hate is important. Yeah, I'm I'm gl- I'm real glad we added that because it gets real easy for us to like focus on crapping on stuff because that's kind of our vibe on the podcast, which is still fun. Like we have fun with it. I feel like we do yeah. it in a funny way, but it can get like ugh. I feel like it's important. I, I always want to end. We got to end on a positive note. I know. And just personally, like, hey, there are there are those days where it's tough to find a thing that you're you like, but you yeah. did it, <laughs> and I feel like that's helpful. Yes, it is helpful. Yeah. And I mean, like, I could have put, I don't hit my wife because I don't hate my wife. I'm mad she bought the <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh cards, but I don't hate her. She's my wife. I married her right. for a reason. Yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh cards will not be the rift that pushes <laughs> us apart. Uh, but like that's such like that's a cop-out answer. Like of course I don't hate my wife. She's my wife. 
Well, yeah, but it's always going to be something more specific. Like I've right. had Kelly be my not hate, but it was it's because of something specific. Right. So like if she returns the Yu-Gi-Oh cards, maybe next episode <laughs> she'll be your she'll be a don't hate. Yeah, maybe if she does something worthy of being a don't hate, he says while looking over at her, and she gives him a face that says, "You're on the couch tonight." Um, That's good. <laughs> no, so I got her that shitty ring, and then she got me all my favorite candy for Valentine's Day. So I've been eating Fun Dip like it's going out of style, man. Like three packets, put them in a bowl, and just with my tongue, just eat it Ugh. with my tongue. And then I eat the sugar sticks afterwards. Dude, I'm not going to have legs by the time I'm 40 because oh, diabetes, God. here I come. It's oh. so good. Fun Dip is the best. It's, it's too the best. sour. It's tasty, but I can only have like a couple of Ugh. dips. No, man. It's tasty, delicious. Good stuff. Wouldn't be my choice, but I get it. Just don't eat three packets at once because I don't want you to die. I'm living my best life. <laughs> Feeling uncomfortable and gross all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but at least food tastes good. That's right. Well, all right. That's going to do it for this episode. Check out SheaHatesEverything.com for the show notes and some other written content. I am almost done with my 2018 Game of the Year stuff. And then I just got to write all of it. But my goal (laughs) is to get it out by the end of the month. So check out SheaHatesEverything.com on February 28th. And if (laughs) it's not there, send an email to info at SheaHatesEverything.com telling me that I suck at everything and I'll read it on the next episode that's Careful it what you wish for yeah <laughs> all right everyone we'll see you next time peace out peace